Hello, welcome, and thank you for joining us. Our number is 580-5436-580-KIDO. It's Dave at PetzoFinancial.net, if you prefer. Interesting. Obviously, stocks had a good week. Tough day on Friday. But a good week. And we'll talk more about that. But interestingly, with the economy, it is so super confusing. Jobs numbers just blew it out on Friday. And yet, as we look at, you know, retail sales and other key, key indicators, not for a month, but a, a, a real deal trend. Several months of data down, down, down. Not a particularly good Christmas season, things like that. Where it shows that the consumer is pulling back. Where inflation is still there. And then suddenly you get a report like this. And, and, and it, it was astounding. It was so far above what anybody expected. Pretty crazy. And, and, and it really confuses all of the economists, all of us. Now, but here, as I've been talking about, We'll spend more time, again, continuing this thought of what we need to know, what we can know, and the idea that we always have to predict this. We needed to predict what the economy was going to do. In order to what? To watch tech stocks go up, some of them up 40% and more? Big companies. Not little dinky things that might go out of business. Big companies. Monster companies that were supposed to be down this year. That's what everybody knew because what what was it, right? P.E. ratios are too high. We're going to go into the recession. It isn't the first quarter. It might be the second quarter, whatever. But we have to. And the Federal Reserve is going to do this and punch everybody in the face with more interest rate rises. All of those things are known. And what happens? The dead opposite happens, as it does all the time, all the time. But then we go to part B, which is let's figure it all out. we got to know what the economy is going to do. So did we need to know that, in fact, the jobs report was phenomenal? No. Did it affect anything? No. no actually, no. Mm -mm. Didn't. We don't need to know that. And we didn't, and nobody did, right? It, all the predictions were wrong about where the economy was. It's certainly the job market. Because sales on one hand are, are certainly measurable and an important indicator. But that had to slow down the jobs market, and it didn't. Dead wrong. But did that take away from the fact of, of owning the great corporations in the world especially the ones that got crushed last year. And as we always talk about, buying down, did it affect that? The point is we don't have to have that right. We'll talk about that more in the second hour. 
But this jobs number was crazy good. Is it inflationary? Is the Federal Reserve going to have it? Again, we don't have to know that. We can contemplate it. We can think about it. But the reality is we won't be able to know precisely what happens in the economy, job market, et cetera. And back to we don't really need to. And even if you got it right, playing the guessing game, or, you know, mostly right, right enough, because nobody gets it right, what would that tell you to do? What should you do? Should you own stocks? Should you not own stocks? And we start, <laughs> start twisting our own minds around this in crazy ways, don't we? I mean, it's really easy to say, no, you shouldn't own stocks because this means the Federal Reserve will, in fact, continue to raise interest rates. They have to. There's no option. It has to happen. Done deal. Okay. Might be true. But on the other hand, is a weak economy good for corporate profits, which is really the mother's milk of what? The market prices. No. So we don't know. Markets are, have a way of making people wrong most all of the time. So we had a really mixed bag of, of I mean, this was a big, big earnings week, right? And so once again, we're going to go out and we're going to predict what the market will do if Google does this, Amazon does that, Facebook, I can't call it meta, sorry. Facebook does that. And it's a mixed bag, like often is. Facebook blows out numbers. Again, totally not that predictable. But here's what was. Coming into the report, coming into the year, coming into last year, Coming after last year, what we knew is that Facebook was awful. I mean, horrible, awful. What a terrible company. I mean, terribly run. Everything's bad about it. It's not just, you now they're spinning and blowing so much money, and they're, they're losing to TikTok and others and so on and so forth. Best days clearly behind them. In other words, the doom and gloom is so palpable that if they announce Anything decent, anything that looks like the future might be brighter, anything, the stock's going to go because it's so beaten down, so beaten down. Well, it didn't do that. It actually announced decent earnings, better than expected, far better than expected, greater outlook. All good, and the stock went up over 20%. It's a monster company. This isn't easy to do, to move hundreds of billions of dollars in value in a day, in a second, actually. Not a whole day. It didn't take a whole day. They announced it, and boom, it's, up, it's, a, it's done. Next trade, boom, up 20%. Big moves especially when we are sure how bad things are. 
and can't get better. Proven wrong. And stocks fly. I sure would have hated to be short that stock. For sure. Oil companies killed it. Well, that was predictable. Yes, it was. So their stocks did what? Nothing to down. Seriously. Record profits at Exxon, stock down. Huh? Yeah. Because it already knows. What we know isn't worth knowing. What everybody announces that everybody thought would happen, happens. Nothing happens. One of the hardest, I don't know why it's so hard, but it is, because we're humans. We think we know stuff, and with A plus B equals C, and then when it's A plus B doesn't equal C, we have, wow, that's confusing. Because we can't see that if everybody knows A plus B and it just happens, it's already priced in. It's done. It's done. So we have record profits. We have less than a disappointing report, and stocks fly on the one hand. And many little tiny companies that are up 50%, 60%. Look at Tesla. Goodness gracious. But I thought Tesla was going out of business. Elon Musk might be going to jail. He's the devil, says the left. He took over Twitter, and that was a major, major, major contributor to misinformation. And he's trying to fix that. World-ending event. All these things negative. And I looked at the low on, on Tesla. This is amazing. The low, which I think was hit like the very end of December, I mean like a month ago, right, was at 101. It touched 199 yesterday. Now that is a move on what? <laughs> Nothing. The short sellers, the negativity just kind of faded away because it got so amped up. It got so amped up. Waiting for news doesn't work. Markets anticipate it. All right, we got to take a quick break. Our number is 580-5436-580-KIDO. It's Dave at PetsoFinancial.net. We'll be right back. Hello, good morning, and thank you for joining us. Uh, 580-5436, that's our number if you'd like to call in. And by the way, if you uh, uh, missed out on anything and want to catch up, uh, podcasts are out there. We also have some Zoom meetings out there on YouTube and some pretty fascinating things upcoming um, here in the next uh, couple of weeks. We will also be, it's going to be very interesting. I'm fascinated to do it. And we're going to be talking about some of the new developments out there in technology. And, and I'm talking AI and how to invest in that. It's AI and cybersecurity and robotics, stunning stuff, genetics. Really, really interesting things, and I'm, I'm looking forward to that, and, and, and we'll have that out there on YouTube as well. But anyway, you know, I'll, I'll remind everybody when, it, when we get that done, and it's out there. 
All right. Well, anyway, I wanted to touch on this amazingly interesting to me market. I don't usually like to comment that much about the market and what its movements day to day, but sometimes it's truly fascinating. I mean, it really is. And 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 there's so much confusing data right now. Is the market strong? I mean, the economy is it actually that strong? I mean, jobs don't indicate anything like a recession. I mean, not even close, right? Not even remotely close. It's silly good. But on the other hand, we have retail sales. We have, we have people tapping into their 401ks to pay their bills. Like they haven't in years. Maybe ever. You know, some of these things are anecdotal. I mean, because it's, you know, big firms like Vanguard and Fidelity are reporting unbelievable numbers. Record numbers. Of people tapping into their 401ks. Now, the rules have made it easier, so there's some of those things there that make it so it's, you know, a little less clear. But what is clear, absolutely clear, is that a lot of people are really hurting. Really hurting. There really are people that have to take two jobs because inflation's killing them. It's not just eggs. Last month, it was something else. You take the whole basket together, it's hard for some people. It's frustrating for others. They're still going to drive. They're still going to buy eggs. They're still going to go and take their really expensive trips, even if it costs more. And they're going to be frustrated. But that's it. That's all. They're frustrated. But some people, this is hard. And, there's, and it's real. And when we see credit cards balances going back to pre-pandemic levels, it's confusing. Now, I don't really think it's all that confusing. And I'm going to kind of ha- let that hang as we're approaching the end of this hour. I'll touch a little bit on it in the next hour, why I don't think these things are as confusing as they're made out to be right now. It's confusing in the sense of where is the economy we don't know. I'm not going to tell you I can predict that. But I'm going to give you some things to think about and and, and for all of us to be watching over the next, not month, and this is where the data drives drives me nuts, okay, is that everybody breathlessly waits on some silly number to make a determination of what the Federal Reserve is going to do, which is going to drive this and do that, and they're always doing this. Like one number makes a trend, and it doesn't. We need data, lots of it, because data can be very lumpy and is, okay? But we're going to watch for all these things, and I'll tell you what I'm watching for over the next several months, not the next month, okay? All right, obviously, you hear the music. We are out of here for this hour. Hope you'll join us in hour number two, coming right up. Hello, and welcome, and thank you for joining us. And, you know, uh, we have, like, a new disclosure, whatever, talks about uh, Petso Financial paying for the program. I want to personally thank the sponsors for paying for the program. I really do. It's just really uh, we're very careful about that. We don't like to. We, we like to make sure we really know the people and we work with them. And 
And uh, Harris CPAs, for example, is that's that's my account. That's how I feel about them. So it's uh, uh, you know, and that's just one example. You know, I I just uh, I really want to personally thank them um, for their sponsoring the program. So with that, I also want to say this. As you know, these are my opinions and my opinions only. And we're not here to tell you what to buy, 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 or sell, sell, sell. We're not going to do that. It's anti-intelligent is what it is. It's noise. I, I, I honestly, and I just don't mean this in any kind of a personal way. I don't have, I don't know Jim Cramer. I don't particularly dislike Jim Cramer. But it's just a classic example of somebody that is like literally wrong all the time, but is like famously telling you you should buy, 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 or sell, sell, sell something. But he's like never right. He's highly emotional. Does a terrible job. And so with that, I mean, it's just, I I don't mean to make it personal and bring him up. I just kind of like, wow, this is what we think is like financial reporting. So we're anti that, if you will. Now, real quickly, before we get to calls, because I know Al, Steve, and Scott are are waiting patiently, and I really appreciate that. We're going to get to you as soon as I can. But I kind of left it hanging there in the last hour, so I wanted to comment on that first. The data being confusing. Jobs market data, way stronger. Not, Not a little stronger, not slightly better. And for those of us on the right a little bit, we're like, really, seriously? Now i got to listen to JoJo talk about all the great stuff he's done. Well, he hasn't. Okay, you know that. He's been anti-jobs, anti-growth, anti-economy. Everything he does is dead wrong. Bigger government equals less money for the private sector, period, end of story. You can believe in it all you want, but is not an economic problem solver. Government does nothing well, nothing productive, and everything they do has to come from the private sector, by definition. It's not an add-on. It comes from, because we have to pay taxes out of a private market into the public sector, and then they can waste it with their bureaucratic nonsense. Okay? It's just a fact. You might like it. That's great. I love to have a slower economy, or I love all the rules. I love them to tell us what to do all the time. That's what I love about that. You can love that. That's your right. That's what Democrats believe, that government solves problems. But it is not arguable that economically the private sector does so much better. So having said that, it doesn't take away the fact that this jobs number was a blowout. Great stuff. But really, the reason I'm saying, I don't think it's all that confusing, retail sales are down. The people really are taking on two jobs. That inflation is still terrible. For working families, particularly. For rich people. That have been flooded with money over the last 40 years, since Ronald Reagan really came on the scene, and, and, and last time around when inflation was out of control, Where we've come is absolutely mind-numbing. So there's a lot of money out there. There's a lot of rich people, lots of rich people, lots of people who don't think they're rich because somebody else, like, can own a private plane, so they're not really rich. But I don't know about you, but I never imagined I would have this much money. 
this much freedom, freedom to do, do, to work or not to work, and making boatloads of money. It's fun. It's, a, it's, it's, the, it's the peak experience of humanity is now, from an economic perspective. It's just a fact. But people are struggling within that. And I think because we got inflation, we've got we, the government started giving money away. I think it's pretty simple. Jobs numbers are going to get good because guess what? Bob can't play video games in the basement all day anymore because the government quit sending him money. Jane can't just kind of work a few hours. I don't really want to work this weekend anymore. I quit. She doesn't get checks from the government anymore. She has to work. She ran out of money. Credit cards are back to pre credit card balances are back to pre-pandemic levels. I think it makes perfect sense that we have great jobs numbers because people have to come out of their basement because they finally stopped JoJo from spending trillions of dollars that we don't have and inflating this and allowing people to not work. They have to work now. That's different. And so I do, that's what I think is going on out here and why the numbers are confusing. Yes, the economy isn't that strong, but people have to work. So that indicator is very good. But the reality is, is sales are down, credit card balances are up, all those things that kind of look like this is not all good are real. Anyway, that's my take on it. All right, let's go ahead and go to Al. Al in Ontario, thank you for holding. Go ahead, please. Yes, I unfortunately, I'm going to have to take a contrarian view there. Um, uh, you know, what I would say is that what we're seeing now, of course, the jobs numbers, that's all part-time jobs. And we're seeing many signs of recession. And, and what I'll say is this. I think that uh, in the near future, you know, we are going to get a massive downturn, a, re a recession. And, you know, all we got to do is look at the money supply growth. It went negative in, in December. And, you know, it all comes down to the Federal Reserve, really. And unfortunately, you know, it's the, the emperor standing there with his thumb up or thumb down. And, uh, you know, relatively recently in January, it looks like everybody, you know, well, he's going to pivot and he's going to go ahead and, and uh, you know, stop the interest rates, high, interest rates, high, interest rate hikes. So I think that was a lot of the buying. I mean, of course, you know, uh, Meta, you know, they buy $40 billion worth of their stock. Of course, their price is going to go up. Um, but I think it comes down to the fact that what we have is a government that basically creates money in many regards out of thin air. And, of course, the Cantillon effect in economics, you know, everything is really uh, you know, balanced, right? Supply and demand is balanced, except when you get that money coming in, that, that, that free money coming into the system, what happens? The first ones who get it, okay, uh, you know, are the ones who make the, the money because then they're buying cheap, okay? And once they buy, the prices go way up. 
So, you know, that's a, a huge problem that we see today where we see so many people who are at the very high end of the income level because, hey, guess what? If you're a one of the bankers or one of the uh, investors who gets that money first, you're buying cheap assets. If that money goes and filters into the economy, those assets go up in price, the Cantillon effect. And, and this is a huge problem when you're talking about a command economy where, you know, the Federal Reserve basically is in charge of this stuff. And when we see money supply moving one way or another, I mean, this is a massive, massive indication. I would say personally, in my humble opinion, the people need to batten down the hatches for a recessionary type uh, occurrence here within the next uh, months. I mean, you know, because a lot of these indicators are either lagging or leading indicators, right? And so what we got to realize is that, you know, you get a lot of noise there, and that noise is what? It's greed and fear. Okay, it's greed and fear, people trying to play the the game that, uh, you know, that they know something more than uh, the markets. But, you know, the reality is this, that, you know, the markets are going to respond based on what the, the, the Federal Reserve chairman does, really. Unfortunately, you know, that's the nature of our of our our country these days. And uh, okay, if you Bob, don't thank get you. That, thanks, or Al, Al, thank you. Sorry, I don't know why I said Bob. I appreciate your comments, Al. I, I, I'm going to need to move on. I will comment to that, and thank you again for calling in. Uh, I'll comment, and then let, we'll see if we have time to to uh, to to grab Steve before our next break. You know, I, first of all, it, it, it's great. There's lots of opinions out there, and um, that's just terrific. I don't try to figure out exactly what the economy is doing, and I think the Federal Reserve has done a remarkably bad job over the past few years of overinflating. When you talk about money supply, money supply growth has to slow down or we'll have runaway inflation. I'm very pleased. It's one of the numbers that I'm not only pleased about, delighted about, and I think was critical to have. And that is that the money supply growth has stopped, to your point. That's a great thing. Our money supply was out of control. Uh, we have never, ever injected this much money into the economy. We've never had money supply growth this fast, and therefore, it triggered it. It's most certainly triggered inflation. And then we pour more on top of it because Joe's economic team is incompetent. I mean, it's just it, it, it's frightening these people actually have this much power. Now, the Federal Reserve should have been doing this and cutting it back sooner. I don't believe we're going to have – uh, any kind of a deep recession, we might, but I don't need to know that, as I've said many, many times. And, and, and thinking that just because money supply stops or that Meta bought back stock is the reason that they showed some hope is trying to figure out, again, on a day-to-day -day basis, why stocks do what they do, when I think it's even simpler than that, that it's unpredictable, unknowable, What's going to happen in the future? It is. Really smart people think they get it. They don't. They can explain why after the fact. That's great. But is that the reason? Because many, many, many people, I'm not alone, think that the money supply declining is one of the single most important things that has happened in this past year. Positive things. Because we can't have this much money. It has to slow down. It's going to take years 
a very slow money supply growth, even negative. But negative would probably, if we went heavy negative, to try to get us back to where we ought to go or ought to have been before this insanity of Federal Reserve pushing rates to zero, et cetera. This was insane. And, 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 but they did it, and they kept pumping and pumping and pumping and pumping until we have a balance sheet that's out of this world. You can't just take it all away at once. But if they're successful and the, the money supply growth is basically zero, I think it just means very, very, very slow growth going forward until we can work off some of that. And it, that is what is required to keep inflation in check. That's where we are now, in my opinion, uh, with money supply. Al, thank you. That's, uh, I appreciate the call. I'll tell you what we're going to do so I don't run Steve short. Let's go and take a, a break just a little bit earlier this hour. And, Steve, you're up to bat next. It's 580-5436-580-KIDO. We'll be right back. Hello, welcome, and thank you for joining us. 580-5436-580-KIDO. That's our number. And very patient caller, Steve. Thank you for holding. Go ahead, please. Hi, good morning, Dave. This is Steve. Good morning. Uh, yeah, I was uh, interested in what you were talking about with the energy companies and uh, kind of the spur perception and that, oh, we all knew that uh, they were going to have blowout uh, earnings, revenue. Uh, even uh, another thought of is, is the amount of stock buybacks that are on board for those companies, which kind of makes any kind of person that's invested in that area, you know, very, very hopeful for, um, uh, you know, making, I guess, money in that, that area known as uh, energy, what we used to call big oil. I guess they've yeah. fortunately been able to move away from that. Um, but you, like you said, it's a, it was a non-event because I guess everybody expected it. Uh, but it, in mm-hmm. the same, in the same sentence, one has to look at, well, we might expect it, but over the next five, maybe 10 years, it may be just an amazing area to be. And I, I guess just to finalize my, my comments is that I, I was the guy like a year ago called you. You were kind of wondering why, uh, I don't know, the market went up like 7% one week, mostly the NASDAQ. And it was like, well, it's, there's, there's no uh, statistics backing this. Therefore, um, I was the guy that said, well, sometimes it's best just to bet $2 at the blackjack table consistently. <laughs> Whether or not, sometimes it just is, as opposed to uh, going to the uh, roulette table and putting all the money on one number. So I guess I just want to finalize with that, you know, the value stocks, uh, companies that truly make money and are not overvalued, um, they, they, they're they not sexy. They don't, <laughs> they, they just, um, a lot of times uh, it's just the same old, same old, but over a long period of time as an investor, which is that's the style of investor I am. That's just mm-hmm. that, that's that's my fi- that's my financial situation. I don't have the ability to throw ten thousand dollars on Snapchat to hope on a you know a quarterly uh, surprise. Um, that's just not mm-hmm. you know my my ability. But you know for those investors that um, uh, you know look at look towards the future. I mean I, it, the money's just got to go towards companies that truly make money and. I, I don't know. Maybe that's just the the end of this discussion. I, I think it's probably it's probably a part of style, Steve. I, I, I don't. You know, that's I, I started there too, and, and um, really, with, with you know, my 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 growing up was John Templeton, 
Peter Lynch, Michael Price, Warren Buffett. Those were the great, and they're all value investors, right? They 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 all broke it down, but they also there there was there there were some some amazing things that John Templeton said, and I, you know, he he was my mentor or one of my mentors, and I and I and I was very fortunate, as I've said many times, to have, got, have gotten to meet him twice. But he, he he wouldn't have known me. He didn't know me from a stick. I just met him at meetings and things like that, and got to spend actually some quality time with him. But it was. It, it was not – he was a mentor because I read everything, listened to everything he said, and I just thought about it as deeply as I possibly can all the time. That's what I mean by him being a mentor. And, 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 and on top of that, he was a great man. But, I, but, but the reason that I, I, I always think about that is I think about John Templeton and how he would have evolved and changed over time. Not to buy Snapchat. So, so don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with buying Snapchat if you really are an analyst and you really know what you're doing. Okay, but most people are gambling in the market when they're trading. They're, they are gambling on a report. How would they know if Snapchat's going to have a good report or a bad report? It's a gamble. It's a red or a black. It's, it's silly. And, and that's not an investor. I, I'm very careful to say, are you investing or are you speculating? If you want to speculate, you speculate, but don't call it investing, okay? And don't think you're smart. You'll be you'll be right about half the time when you do silly things like that. And that's it. And I so when I say that, I do think that there's plenty of room for growth in a portfolio. And that's how you end up with buying Apple, okay? Not because it's a great value stock like ever. It's just a moneymaker. It's huge. And I think it has great value. But you have to look at value differently, differently than it used to be. And I believe people like Templeton evolve over time and would look at value that way. Whether it's Amazon, it's Apple, you don't have to guess on a quarterly report. Just look and see if the company is continuing to grow. And don't particularly worry about price. Peter Lynch taught people that, too of buying fast-growing companies at higher prices is a better business model than buying really cheap companies that aren't growing or are growing very, very little. Now, the other part of that is we can get into what, a, what I always call a value trap, and you've heard that term before, where companies are selling at low levels because they should be. And that's the thing. I, 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 I think it's balanced. And so when we're talking about the Snapchats of the world, if I don't know much about them, that's a great place for fund managers, exchange-traded funds, things like that, that do and follow it. So both work. That's why I put both in my portfolios and and and, and recommend yep. people do that. Yep. Yep. What came to mind when you said the last of the value trap is like Ford? Uh, I, they seem like a classic example. Oh, of a, classic example. Of airlines mentioned. Name that one, too. Yeah. 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 Okay. If, well, thank if you. you avoided airlines and automobile manufacturers and bought every other loser company in the market along with the winners, I think you'd probably outperform the market by an incredibly substantial amount. I, I often think about what to avoid, not just what to buy. Okay. Well, thank okay. you. Hey, thank you, Steve. I appreciate it. Have a great rest of the day. And thank you for your call. All right, let's do this. Let's go ahead and take a quick break. Scott, hang tight. I know we're getting there. We're getting there. And it's 580-KIDO. We'll be right back. Hello, welcome, and thank you so much for joining us. 580-5436, 580-KIDO, that's our number. And uh, we'll hopefully we'll visit with you. Right now, we've got a very patient caller. Scott, thank you so much for coming back with us. Please go ahead. 
Hi, Dave. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I wanted to get your input on uh, stock market manipulation. So I was part of the, you know, the GME GameStop AMC movement back in January of 2021. And I've watched Mm. it uh, pretty closely over the last two years. And um, I've watched hundreds of small cap businesses being shorted into the ground. Um, But it seems like just recently the tide has kind of changed. Um, You know, obviously naked short selling, spoofing, front running orders. Um, You have stocks out there with a float of 10 million um, stock uh, tradable stocks that are trading, you know, half a billion times a day. Um, But now over the last couple of weeks, we're seeing CEOs coming out publicly um, stating that they're hiring investigators to, to go after these naked short sellers, um, you know, these market makers and hedge funds. And then on Thursday, what happened was the SEC came out publicly and announced that they're having Citadel, who's the biggest market maker in the world, um, to have all their employees turn over their communication devices. Um, and not only that, so, you know, there's, there's many other aspects to this, but you take like an AMC, their cost to borrow is a thousand percent. That's, that's a, a record in the history of the stock market. Um, it just seems mm-hmm. like the tide is turning. So my question is, is now a good time to get into these heavily naked shorted meme stocks um, in hopes that, you know, they're going to start squeezing? Or I just want to get your thoughts on the overall market manipulation that's been going on over the last two years. You bet. bet. Great. Great observations, too. I um, First of all, I, I, these are things that, and I've commented on them, but I think a bear repeating. When people are gambling in the market, and that's all this was, and you're sitting around going, I think I'll throw 10 bucks on the Knicks game, or I'll throw 10 bucks on GameStop. I read about it. Or you're sitting around with your pals next to the Apache because, you know, you're not always flying. You're just kind of hanging out. And so you're flipping through and, hey, I made a thousand bucks yesterday on this and that. And then pretty soon, all these guys that know nothing about the markets, literally know nothing about capital markets, nothing at all, are trading. That was never going to end well any more than um, and you talk about market manipulation, SPACs were like that. I mean, they really were. They were just taking advantage of the fact that people were flush with cash and gambling and were willing to say, hey, oh, you're going to someday go out and try to use this money to invest in an EV. You don't have anything, but you're going to go do that. And you're like a billionaire, really smart guy. So here's my money and take a giant fee and let's hope it all works out. All of this is gone. So that manipulation, if you will, um, or hype, gambling, speculation has been wiped out. And now we're back at a better starting point. So I agree with you. I think a lot of that is, has been played out now. And I think that's healthy for the markets, though. I really do. I am, I'm looking forward to much better markets going forward where GameStop goes ahead and goes out of business. So, no, I don't think they're going to get squeezed. I think that that game is over. I think it's the opposite of that. I think these companies will go out of business, uh, restructure, whatever you want to call it. Um, either way, the equity is going to get wiped. And, and I do think that most of it has been wiped. Let's face it, GameStop is, is, is a fraction of where it was. And AMC is, is you know, I think, even down more. But, uh, you know, I don't watch the day-to-day ticks on it. So I, I just know that the, a lot of that raw speculation is out. I don't think these are values at all. I think if we want to go back to earlier call it's a value trap right and 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 it just just because a stock is down doesn't mean it doesn't deserve to be down so i would avoid that 
that area, I really think that those manipulated companies are in trouble. Yeah, thank, thanks for your input. You got it, Scott. Thank you. Uh, and, and again, I, I really appreciate it. And, and you're, you're, you're dead right. We've had a lot of market manipulation going on out there. This SEC, if I can add another comment here, has been so overreaching, though. Uh, and and it, 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 it's trying to do too much in really in, in areas that make no sense. And so I am hopeful that they stick to watching market manipulation and protecting the small investor, which is what they're supposed to be doing. Not, not trying to define climate control, which is absolutely, I, I don't even believe we're having this discussion with the SEC. It just, I just don't understand how we get into a position where our bureaucrats are dictating policy about our of climate control instead of actually watching the stock market. Okay, that's the end of my frustration there. I'll leave it at that. All right. Now, uh, you know, I, I'll tell you what, let's go ahead and stay on track here and then give everybody a chance to give us a call. I've also got an email. I'll take care of that on the other side. It's 580-5436, 580-KIDO. Hello, welcome, and thank you for joining us. 580-5436, 580-KIDO, that is our number. As promised, I wanted to start this uh, segment with, a, with an email. Thank you, Mike, I appreciate it. Uh, wants, wants us to define, I'll not read it, it, it wants, wants me to de define what a bear market, bull market is, actually, uh, and also um, was wondering about the 10% over time that the market does, okay? And, and what does that mean? Is it 10% one year over the other and so on? Well, and, and, and it brought, brings up a lot of interesting questions. So I'm going to say, first of all, a bull market and a bear market is defined by a 20% up or down from the previous low or high, okay? So we went through a bear market here because the S&P 500, which is considered the broadest measure of the market, was, you know, everybody can, you know, run with it or not, but it, it does have a pretty high correlation to the Dow and so on and so forth. So not year to year, and last year was an example of how wide that, can, that disparity can be. And the same with the NASDAQ. Okay, the NASDAQ is not. It's tech-heavy and is not considered the market. Okay, but it's the S&P. So as the S&P dropped 20, over 20%, that means from the highs. You know, and I'm talking about the dead high. So the all-time high, if you will. It drops down 20% until it comes off of the bottom, wherever that is. I mean, we may not have hit it, right? We could go back down. But once it's up 20% from the bottom, okay, we're back to into a bull market. Okay, now that could be that we're still below all-time highs, but we're back into a bull market. Hopefully that makes sense, okay? But the 20% move from top or bottom signals a bull or a bear market, okay? 10% is classically called a correction. Now we can say it's 5% and so on but that's what classically a correction is called. It's 10% or more, okay? Now, when you're asking about the 10%, this is what brings up some interesting questions, okay? So it's just 10% compounded return is the average of your lifetime, my lifetime. I don't even know what age you are, but that's what it is. Over long periods of time, it's a gravitational pull to 10%. But the interesting part is, 
is on a yearly basis, it's almost never, way less than 10% of the time, is it anywhere near 10%, anywhere near. Now, that's fascinating to me. So, so on an annual basis, in other words, a short-term basis, the market does not do normal, almost ever. It does abnormal. So when people predict the market, which is what Wall Street does all the time, we think that the market's going to do low single-digit returns or whatever high single-digit returns this year because the PE's here, and we think earnings are going to be there, and we're in a recession. Everybody goes, wow, these guys, this analyst is so smart. I mean, super smart. And it's like, wow, okay, are they? No, they're never right because way less than 10% does the market do normal, which is that word. That's what it would be. It does minus 20. What? That's nowhere near over 10. And then it does plus 28, followed by plus 18 to make it all up. It's, it's, it's fascinating to me. When you think about it on a yearly basis, and people try to predict it on a yearly basis, and this is why I always come back to, we don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. You just have to buy stocks when they're down. That's it. End of story. Then hold them. Hold the great corporations of the world. Rarely trade. Not never. Rarely. And you get rich. Doing nothing. Almost sounds illegal. Okay? So anyway, ho hopefully that answers it. And I want to go ahead and get a quick call in here. Let's go to Paul in Nampa. Paul, thanks for holding. Go ahead, please. Sure. Hi, Dave. Good morning. Good morning. I got a I got a question for you. You know, Rush Limbaugh used to talk about it every once in a while, that baseline budgeting. And why does the government get an 8.5% raise every year no matter what? Yes. Agreed. Yeah. Why? And, and, and here's here's the worst thing. <laughs> well, I'll tell you why. Because somehow the liberals have made it such. People that want socialism want bigger government. And they won't say it, which is why most of the super libs in Congress voted for, right, the, this resolution that condemns socialism, right, or whatever you want to say. You know, it's, it's, we don't, we're not socialists. When they are. They, they totally are. And most of them won't admit it because guess what? It's not a popular thing. So they don't admit it, but we vote for it all the time. They want bigger and bigger government. So the way that they've measured government, which is really amazing, and they talk about baseline, is it is uh, it's a way of saying if you don't raise your budget by, say, inflation or 3% or 4%, you're cutting it. So when, when we say you can't cut these programs, they're – it's actually deceiving because they're not cutting them. They're just not increasing them by as much as the baseline, to your point, is doing. So the yeah. easiest way to get out of a deficit, the most painless way in the whole wide world, is to simply say government spending is from now for the next gazillion years frozen. Figure it out, guys. We know your costs go up. Fine. Let them go up. Become more productive, figure it out, figure out what programs you need to keep slowly over time. So basically, if inflation is going to run at 3%, as it has for the last 30 years, 
then we simply say you just need to find 3% productivity gains per year in your department. Thank you for joining us. Goodbye. And that's it. And that's what we would do. And we would slowly, virtually painlessly, get out of debt. We really would. Not out of debt, but I mean, we would get the balance, the bu budget balanced and begin to repay this monstrosity. But that's, that, that would be something that everybody would go into complete conniptions about because what it does is it takes more control from government back to the private sector and government wants to be the all-powerful definer for all. And that is really what we're fighting on a daily basis. Yep. Drives me crazy. Yeah, well, us too. <laughs> My <laughs> wife and I listen to these same sets. They just look at the TV and go, What's going on? So I, I get it. We all, you know, we, then you just got to go and, uh, you know, before you, you, you grab another uh, whiskey, you got to just kind of find something else to do. You just can't sit and watch this stuff all the time. It just kill you. It just will kill you. So, yeah. Paul, yeah, thank sure. you so much. So You're glad. welcome. That's what golf is for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. If you have the right attitude. I do know some people that play golf that I, it doesn't look like to me they have much fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and i really Thanks, truly dude. don't know why they play i mean they just like literally go out and get totally frustrated i don't understand why they play but um it is uh um it, it, it's interesting to me anyway all right thanks a lot have a good day all right and uh yeah again i want to mention this real quick before i dive into something else here if you have any questions comments you want, you want to catch a podcast, check us out at PetsoFinancial.com. And you can also send us an email, suggestions for the program. Again, questions you have. We're happy to try to help out, okay? So we'd love to hear from you. And also check out Petso Financial on YouTube. We've got some great educational uh, Zooms, videos, whatever you want to call them. They were just Zoom meetings we did for our clients, and, and we've started posting them out there because not everybody can be there at 2 o'clock on a Thursday or whatever. So that's why we do it. And uh, uh, if you have any comments about those, we'd love to hear from you. Okay. All right. Let's let's go back to this. What I had mentioned before, with all of this stuff going on, jobs, retail sales, completely opposite each other, totally make no sense. But it does. It does make sense. People having to go back to work would, in fact, help the job numbers. It would help a lot. When people run out of money sitting in their basement playing video games, you run out of money, you got to go find a job. So they do. So when we hear about the layoffs or tech layoffs, the other thing I want to add to this is that let's understand this. These companies employ hundreds of thousands of workers. They're laying off 10,000. It's just not that much, particularly when they really overdid it. we got to find people because they couldn't find people. And, and so they can't find people. So I don't care what if they, you know, it's kind of like the old Caribbean doctor degree or whatever, right? Yeah, I got a degree from Havana University. Okay, good. Right. Please do my operation. Okay, I, 
you know, we, we, we all remember that from like the 80s and maybe even into the 90s. It, it was pretty crazy. So maybe it's like, hey, you went to computer coding school for six months. You must be a genius engineer. Let's pay you 150000 We can't find anybody here at Google. And so off they go. Well, maybe they really aren't that good or they're terrible at that. Maybe they'd be good at something else, but they're not good at this. When you're, when you're really, really struggling to find people, you accept a level of expertise that maybe is a little bit less than you should have. And I think these cuts are, are part of that, too. So I think as we, as we see and hear about some of these cuts, they're being overwhelmed because it's still expanding in a lot of areas where people are trying to find jobs, hospitality, all kinds of things. And you have to go back to work. you got to go back to work. And that's what I think we're seeing in this market and why the numbers are really bad on sales and how much debt people have. All those things need to be measured. Job is only one, one number, and we'll see it bounce around month to month. And it just doesn't have to have all that consistency and still, you know, is still, I just don't think it's all that confusing. I think the market makes sense to me. The job market makes sense that it bounces back. I'm not here to predict month to month, but a bounce back because people are coming out of the basement. That makes sense to me. Oh, it really does. Uh, we, we just are, are done with this idea that people just should be sending send money, uh, some kind of universal income and all that nonsense. Where are we going to find people to work if that's the case? It's just silliness. And I think we have, I, I really think we've done a better job uh, of getting away from that. So we'll see what happens in the job market. We'll see what happens with inflation. But the fact of the matter is, is the consumer is not anywhere near the position they were 12 months ago. I think you're going to have to see a continued decline there. It, it just, they're just, they just don't have the money. And with credit card balances going up, it's not universal. Yours is down. Yours is zero. If you're listening to the show, you're probably not in a lot of debt. You're probably, frankly, more rich than you ever dreamed of being, whether you're 30 years old or 40 years old. And, and some of this is, is, is obviously a part of this entitlement mentality. That is going to, they're just going to have to go to work. They just simply are going to have to go to work. And we're seeing that in, in as I mentioned in the first hour, we're seeing a lot of that with 401ks, with withdrawals from 401ks. And, and again, a lot of this is anecdotal. I understand that. And because it's coming from the 401k providers, but it's uniform in its application, if you will, right? We're seeing record numbers at Fidelity, record numbers at Vanguard, your two largest 401k providers. They're showing record withdrawals from 401ks. Not because they're they're retired people. I'm talking about premature. People are taking money out of their 401ks because there's they're in financially terrible shape. That's what we're seeing out there. That's the reality of it. And the savings rate has been cut more than in half from one year ago. One year ago, the average person was saving 7.5% in our country. That's down to 3.4% in one year. 
So, so, so we have this, this, this tenuous back and forth of bad data, weirdly, unexpectedly good data. And, and, and again, we're going to keep parsing. What's the Fed going to do? What's the Fed going to do? Because people have nothing else to talk about when it comes to financial markets. Fed, 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 Schmidt. It doesn't matter. It matters if corporations are making great profits and growing their profitability, period. That's what moves stocks. That's what moves markets. And as we look at markets, everybody thinks it's the market. It's not the market. As we talked earlier, I think it was uh, Scott, and it could have been Steve, but anyway, uh, earlier talked about this, about you know value stocks and others. And, and if you had avoided um, automobile manufacturers, a, a, a total value trap, right? Avoided them in your portfolio. Avoiding steel companies as an example. Who would ever own a steel company? I don't need to tr try to figure out that, you know, U.S. steel might be at a good buy point. It's never been at a good buy point. It's just a terrible business to be in. And maybe I could make money short term, but I don't want to have to try to guess if, if it's at a low point. It's just a bad business to be in. Highly capital intensive. Labor intensive. Airlines is another one. They got all, three strikes and you're out. So that's what we have is, is, is some great companies in a market of companies. Everybody have a great rest of the night.